Hey everybody, my name's Louis Tangaridis and I'd like to say thank you very, very much for taking the time to listen to our test episode. My partner Kate and I recorded this on the 21st of December. We're really excited for you to hear it. It's all about Christmas songs. How exciting. Anyways, I'm going to shush now and I'm going to allow you to jump straight forward to the episode. We hope you enjoy it. See you later. So Kate, when you think Christmas songs... Now, when someone says Christmas songs to you, when, when you get to this time of the year, what are the first sort of things that come into your head? Naughty Holder. <laughs> Naughty Holder's <laughs> big face yes. and his massive sideburns. Yes. Do you just have him shouting, <laughs> You can't escape it. You can't escape Naughty no. Holder. That sounds like the world's shittest prison. Enslaved. <laughs> but, I mean, Naughty Holder is one thing, but, like, you know the other guy, Dave Hill, the guitarist with the even scarier sort of look and the slightly weird alien yes. looking he's not as ubiquitous no he's yes, not as ubiquitous part of but the experience <laughs> there's, a, there's a threat level to Dave Hill in terms of his look that I don't think should be underestimated I mean I invited for Christmas it's fun it's fun to mix shit up <laughs> as someone who like I generally am not a huge fan of Christmas songs and I'm not sure whether that's neither am I I'm not sure whether that's because they're bad songs or because I've heard the same 20 songs every year of my life for the last 28 years. Yeah, if, if I hear Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louis one more time, if I hear that, like, you're in a shop, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to buy something really nice for someone, and then you hear, I wish I was at home for Christmas. You think, oh, wow, that's my mood just killed. Interestingly, that one, because I didn't really hear it all that much It's not until, really a thing in Ireland. It is, but not as common. Not as common. Okay. Like you'd hear it, but you wouldn't hear it the same level of their Mariah Carey. Oh my God, you'd hear it everywhere. The never-ending never Mariah Carey. Um, More on that in a minute. Yes, but you know what I mean? That kind of that kind of um, song and just... Uh, like we used to play a lot of like music TV, just having it yeah. on the background. Yeah. At Christmas time, it's just, oh yeah, there's five <laughs> songs. There, there was some sort of was this, do you think there was some sort of um, Illuminati plot some sort of deep state plot for I don't know say after about 1992 we just decided no no more Christmas songs are allowed the canon is not allowed to be increased we must only delve and cover the same things again and again and again and again again we're going to get to that in a minute jokes on you Mariah Carey's Christmas album was 1994 <laughs> Oh, I've been shown. Brutal. I've been shown. Yes. We've been fact-checked already. <laughs> fact-checked. I've been fact-checked already. And this Don't is... even have a laptop in front of me. Fact-checked. This is a test episode. This is the test. This is like the preview. But yeah, so what we're doing today is the three... Between myself and Kate, we have decided on six Christmas songs that you may have heard of, you may not have, that are a little bit different, and in our opinions, far more entertaining than anything you're going to hear when you go around your local supermarket. So, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Um, okay, let's start Out of with... Out three, which one would you like to cover first? <laughs> well, thematically, okay. let's follow on from the conversation we were just having. So, the first song I want to propose to you is, in fact, All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> but, covered by My Chemical Romance. Now, let me tell you A few caveats Objectively, objectively No one should ever cover this song Right? Because it's very They're not the only ones Oh I know Bieber's done it 
Justin Bieber. The, yeah. As opposed to all the other Beavers, <laughs> yeah. all the other famous Beavers. Dave Bieber. Dave Bieber. Dave Bieber. Objectively, no one should say because it's very hard to sing. Yeah. Mariah Carey, any Mariah Carey song is very hard to sing, and mm. it all kind of sounds like karaoke. Yeah. So it does. even with that in mind, I've still I've still put this in. So one is um, one is that once it gets past the intro, that you know, the quintessential yes. intro. Yes. Which is quite similar to that. It does sound a bit like you know Gerard Way was like, "I'm gonna bang out some Christmas karaoke." Yeah, he he sound, to me he sounds like oh what did I think? Oh yeah, he sounds like a drunk traffic warden. There's wow. Just, yeah, he sounds like a drunk traffic warden. Harsh. No, it's not harsh. He sounds like let me explain. He sounds like a please 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 let me finish. So he sounds like a drunk traffic warden that's just been told that he doesn't have to give out like a thousand tickets. He has to give out like a hundred. So it really is his Christmas come early. His Christmas has come early and is here to stay. That's the impression I get from yeah. his w- very From that warbling intro. intro. That, yes. Yeah. But I will say that once you get past that, like, first, all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. It really does drop into a very, like, My Chemical Romance yeah. sound. It doesn't mm. really sound like they're doing an exact... They're just making a more guitar-y, louder version yes. of the original. Yeah. And so as a, as a big My Chemical Romance stan, you know, emo trash from the <laughs> mid-2000s, like there is a lot of, um, I suppose, not tropes, but like motifs that come yes. up a lot from My Chemical Romance. Uh, the vocal stylings are obviously the most um, obvious one, even the way they do backup vocals on that call and response um that Gerard Way tends to do but what's interesting to me again because I'm such an MCR stan is they released this in 2004 yes right at same year as Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was it recorded in the same session do you know I do not know no I I wouldn't be surprised I did try and have a look I couldn't really find a definitive answer to that but it was the same hmm. year yeah but what was interesting because I couldn't remember what year it came out when I was re-listening to it and it does sound you can hear um you can kind of hear more of the patterns and things that are going to come up in the Black Parade and that okay. are going to come up even later down the road than that, especially yeah. like in the second verse and you get, get that change of guitar style yes. into that more sort of, I don't know, marchy band sort of theatrically <laughs> kind of thing, but um, which is not very Three Tears for Sweet Revenge at all. No. So I, that, that to me is really interesting and why I am... Um, why I do think it kind of is an elevated cover because again I don't necessarily think just because it's like a rock cover of something yeah. it's worthy of our time because I don't think so no there's a whole thing of that isn't there <laughs> yes and some are good and some are not people have made entire careers on YouTube doing yeah. that like, and like this thing <laughs> some are that, good like. I'm, I'm, I, lo- I do love some of them but just just because they're that doesn't mean they're necessarily good mm. um, and yeah I suppose just because uh, like I say I'm emo trash for life Mm. And uh, and it you know it just brings me back to being like fifteen years old yeah. and being like oh a Christmas song I can really get behind yeah <laughs> I mean uh, also that song it, it it found its way onto Warner Brothers put out this weird compilation in about two thousand and nine it sort of just got like thrown on there yes I did see that <laughs> I, I mean I think it's called like regifted or something yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's the name. I have it written down. Um, yeah, it's called Riga. And also featuring Michael Bublé is the opening track. Yes, I know. That was wild. 
I what mean, a choice. What, what a choice. What's the real choice indeed? Of course, the king of Christmas, Michael Bublé. Versus came, the kings of the scene, you could argue. Kings of the scene versus kings of Christmas. That's a tour that I would book, and it would probably sell a shitload of tickets. Yeah, that's two stadiums worth of people. Yeah, that's, two, that's <laughs> yeah, at least two stadiums worth of people, because you get the kids, and you get all the mums go see Michael Bublé as well. Ooh, how wholesome. It's funny that you say kids because the the you know the original MCR fans are thirty now. Like yeah, they are. <laughs> just to, to put that out, we are we are the, the children. They are enduringly popular with the children. Are they? Very much so. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I'm glad. So. <laughs> anyway. Great band. Anyway, so that's a fir- that's your first pick. Yes. Now my first pick. Um. Okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna go a bit more serious. I say a bit more serious. I've selected the 1996 goth metal classic Red Water in Christmas Morning, morning as in morning someone that you love, mm. in parentheses, by Typo Negative. The drab four themselves. Oh my word. I mean, <laughs> oh man, this song is... It's a hell of a thing. Like, out of all the songs on this list, there's a couple that this one this year this song probably hits a little bit harder than previously Mm. um i mean partly you have lyrics like uh you have lyrics about how last year they dined with 11 but now the table has been set for just seven this is a very mournful very weirdly moving song very Sorry, I get a bit... I'm not saying I'm getting choked up, but... This song used to just be... I almost used to take the song almost as a bit fun, even though the subject matter was very, very mournful. I always... Typo Negro have this very dry sense of humour. So that was always... You could always put that there when you listen to Typo Negative, but in the last couple of years, it's really... Especially this year, it's really taken on a very different meaning for me a very beautiful meaning but a very sad meaning as well and I you know and when you get you know red water obviously it refers to uh, red wine like Pete Steele drinks a lot of red wine that was one of his major things when he was on stage he'd basically drink an entire bottle of red wine Mm. every like night but he used that to cope with stage fright but also when he talks about red water washing all the emotions away, it oh, it hits it hits deep, it hits real deep. I think it's a beautiful song, off an incredible record. Um, October Rust, if you're wondering, we may be coming to that at some point later in the history of this podcast. Um, but I think it's a really really moving song, and yeah. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit. I, I worry I'm getting a little bit emotional, but. <laughs> I so it's interesting I heard it um, I think I have heard it before because I know I've listened to October Rust but it didn't obviously didn't like stick yeah necessarily so it, it felt like the first time I was hearing it today yeah and I suppose it's interesting what you say I'm hearing it for the first time in the context of pandemic mm. and the Christmas we're about to have so um, I immediately took it seriously you yeah. know in the way that you've just described rather than that more sort of dry kind of almost ironic kind of way um they have a lot of songs about people mm. dying. Yes. 
I do remember other songs about people dying that they have kind of more vividly. Yeah. Um, which is why I wasn't sure if I'd heard this one before. But um, I really... It's probably the most different one on the list. I really liked it. I thought... Um, I really liked the production of it. I thought it was, like, sonically very enveloping. Yeah, not, sounds massive. Yeah, and it, like, not... That bass tone. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So there's something that, like, these two... This comparison, these two things aren't going to sound alike. Go for but it. Just go with me. So, like, okay. there's there's something that, like, with um kind of, you know, that kind of more black gazy thing, like bands like Mole, when you listen to it, it does feel like it's wrapping around you because of the way it's produced yeah. and because of what they're trying to do. Even Sorry, type of J- just a quick note, just a quick note. Uh, black Gaze, if you're listening, thinking, what the hell is she on with Black Gaze? It's black metal mixed with shoe gaze. Yeah? All right. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, that kind of, you know, sort of um, death heaven mull thing where you yeah. do feel very Envelope it. enveloped yeah. by it. And it's very... Um, uh, not necessarily crushing, but almost like it's pinning you in a bit. Yes. While this didn't sound musically like it's a different style, but it had that quality to it where it kind of holds you, presses against you, I suppose. Is yes. The best way to put it. Very much so. And I like that. I like when music does that. Mm. I think it was. I, yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was also impressed by it's almost seven minutes in length. <laughs> it's a hell of a, I, oh, it's just wonderful. I, I, I find it really, really moving. And I listened to it today just because October Rust is a personal favourite. And I just thought, I've, yeah, it's, I haven't listened to it in quite some time it's as a piece. And when I got to Red Water, I was just, oh, Walking down the street, listening to that song, listening to that record, you just you get very, very wistful and very mournful and very. Oh, it really does envelop you. Mm. Like it really just takes, especially for wearing half decent headphones. It really just. I would. I don't want to say drowns you because that's not the that's not the parlance I want to use, but. It. Oh. It's just so. I find it so much more powerful than I used to, and I used to find it pretty powerful. But you know, yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna put a dot on that because we would like to move on to something else. And yeah, we'll put a dot on that one. Um, that's type of negative. Sure. Your so second pick, my love. I'm gonna go into um, my sort of what I'm gonna call like my serious one. Uh, <laughs> you know, follow it. Let's keep the keep the tone. You all know? right. Um. So. My uh, ultimate favourite Christmas song of all time, um, which is River by Joni Mitchell, um, oh. which is, oh, what a, just, oh. just an amazing song. Incredible. Um, so I I think there's just something like so special about Joni Mitchell, and which is, you know, I, I think a widely held opinion. That's yeah. not, not a, nothing new In to other say. news, water is wet. Yes. Um, and there's just... I suppose there's somewhat of a nostalgia in this for me. I first heard the song when I was in um, school, uh, in like my music classes in school. Our teacher played it for us. Did she play you, sorry, did they play you the original Joni Mitchell version? Because this is like one of the most covered songs I ever heard of. Apparently it's been covered about 480 times. So really? So the, so the original way I heard it, the first way I heard it was played live in the room by our teacher and another student. Um, 
because they were preparing it for some exam or something. You okay. know, it came up that way, and uh, and I hadn't heard it before. And um, it's very obviously a Christmas song. Like, yes. I don't think it was oh, Christmas so. time. I don't think it was Christmas time I first heard it. But from the motif no, at the yeah, start, you know, it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, it is Christmas song. So Ellie Goulding's cover of it, I believe, was number one. Yes, I do remember that happening. God. Um, I will say, but it's interesting because this was never actually released as a single. Yeah. Which I find really fascinating. I might not have heard it if I hadn't heard it in the context of... Or I wouldn't have heard it for a long time. You probably would have heard the Barry Manilow version instead. I've never heard the Barry Manilow version. That's, that's a real thing. Linda Ronstadt, uh, Sam Smith. I can see Sam Smith few. doing it. To name a few. Yeah, I can see yeah. Sam Smith doing it. Barry Manilow, I... Like, look, I'll listen to it. Um, but there is something about... <laughs> So I heard this, and there I went. You're just in the Cabana now, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. Um, but I saw that out. I saw that like the original, and yeah. there is something. I didn't know very much about Joni Mitchell beforehand. Um, I had heard one other song by her, again introduced by that same teacher who was just a big Joni Mitchell head. It, t- mm. it turns out. Um, but so I heard both sides now before that. Yeah. But so I went and sought it out, and there is just something about in like all her work the way she vocally delivers anything in such a it kind of feels like she did it in one take and she's just feeling all these things for the first time and the words are just kind of coming out of her yeah. that is so endearing and so um like just touches touches on kind of those feelings in a way that you're like oh i never even thought to articulate it that way but yeah. it is exactly what it yeah. is um and and so i mean that's that's really part of the whole um, appeal of it for me but I also think it was one of the first times that I heard like an explicitly sad Christmas song Mm. like not one that was sad just because of the way it was performed or the context in which it was done yeah um but something that was explicitly like um you know I've we had this really good relationship and it's all kind of gone to shit now <laughs> yeah um because i'm so hard to handle and i'm selfish and i'm yeah. sad and uh hard relate it, yeah hard relate and um so yeah and i'm one of those people who like especially as a teenager um i used to like play it a lot i've performed it several times to varying levels of quality <laughs> uh it, ter- it seems the older I get, the less able to do well I am, honestly. So um, I might just hang it up and just leave it to Joni from now on. But uh, but yeah, it is. It, I, it's one that I will. I haven't yet gotten sick of, and I've really played played it quite to death, and it's still as as good as ever. So. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, incredible song, incredible song, incredible lyrics. Um, if you've not heard this one before. And it doesn't move you. I don't really know what to say. Like, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I just don't. I, I do not understand how someone could not be moved by this song. I just, I don't think. I do not believe that it's possible to not listen to it. And even if you don't go for it, even if you don't love it, if you can't hear and feel the emotion in it, I mean stunned really just mm. the thought of it not getting you is just oh man imagine if you walked out imagine if you were going i don't know imagine if you went into your, your local supermarket and you heard that and that comes on you just start crying you start crying over the veg i don't think i've ever heard joni's version 
in, in like a super I've, I've heard Ellie Goulding's version but it doesn't um, no it doesn't hit anyone as hard because and it's just because I've had a couple of versions of this none of them really hit as hard no I, 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 I actually heard multiple cover versions before I heard the original hmm. and they never hit me when it was the first time I heard the original oh man it is all about how she oh, how she delivers it just and yeah <laughs> what a great performer incredible shit absolutely incredible all right okay so shall we move on to tell uh, me another one okay <laughs> okay so we're gonna go do you know what we're gonna go from the sublime to the truly ridiculous we're gonna go full old school we're gonna go 80s we're gonna go ridiculous heavy metal we're going to denmark it's king diamond with his 1985 single no presents for christmas now king diamond is a hell of a singer but he's very, very well known for his use, and I do mean when I say use, he basically relies on his insane falsetto vocals. <laughs> yes, this was noticeable. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, there's falsetto and then there's this guy. So, as I say, No Presents for Christmas is a standalone single. Um, it opens with this insane evil laugh, like <laughs> this sort of super villain level evil laugh. And it, half the reason I love this song is because the lyrics are demented. They're comp- like it, the chorus lyrics: "Tom and Jerry drinking sherry." Now, what that has to do with anything? I've been trying to work this out for years because I've been listening to this song for many years, and I'm still not entirely sure why Tom and Jerry drinking sherry, like, but with this like ridiculously evil snarl to it. Because this song is like panto. It's like pantomime levels of ridiculous. Like, if this came on in a pantomime, I wouldn't even, like, I would not even be shocked. If you wrote a song like this for a pantomime, I just, I'd completely accept it because he's in full evil villain mode throughout. And it's bloody glorious. Like, the bit the end, the bit right at the end where he's just like, I'm dreaming of a white Sabbath. And then this fucking insane laugh again oh this is just just to go to my notes it's a camp it's just a camp it's just camp classic brilliant white sabbath felt very dad joke yeah my face did that thing when i heard it that you do when you hear like a terrible dad joke i was like hmm but here we are i I think the amount of fun they must have had recording this I, i i just i can't imagine I can't imagine getting getting in the studio and just laying this down. And also the guitar solo is fucking amazing. Andy LaRock killing it. There, so yeah, there's some great guitar and there's, I do, he's a great vocalist, like very impressive vocalist. Um, Tom and Jerry is not the only cartoon character. Not at all. Donald Duck, is, <laughs> Donald Duck also appears. I was like, oh, all right, okay. I feel like there's a story there. I've, I haven't tried to find out. I, I might be missing something. If you do know why, please tell us. But, I mean... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, do you know what? This song just makes me laugh. But in, like, the best way. Mm. Like, I hear it and I just, like, want to just run around just shouting, like... St. Peter! <laughs> it, it is one of those things, I think if I was into 
that sort of wave of metal yeah that thing which i'm not but you are yeah um i would i would be very much like if it came on in the pub i think even even now i think I, i'd really oh my enjoy God, it if this came on in a pub yeah like i can't imagine it in any other context i'll put this on the jukebox yeah <laughs> you know like with a pint or something um some sort of you know metal bar or rock bar and everyone just being like yeah um <laughs> But like, and I will say, so one of the things I noticed throughout most of the songs we're going to talk about is there's, a, for most of them, there is like what I'm going to call a Christmas motif. Yeah. Like a little bit of something. Yeah. It's like, this is a Christmas carol. Mm. This one had the most. Mm. This one had several. And look, I'm trash for a Christmas motif. I'm like, oh, look what they're doing there. Very clever. Yeah, type this I one did had this like as well. Fo- yeah. Joni Mitchell did this. Yep. The one I'm going to talk about third does this yep. as well. It's so common. But this one is just like, how about we just slam them in there? More. Another one. <laughs> but my counterpoint to that is why not? Why not even more? Yeah, why not even more? If anything, I'm almost disappointed that uh, King Diamond didn't put in another seven. Just going for like, a full ten yeah, Christmas motifs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I would love a King Diamond Christmas album. I would love a full-on King Diamond Christmas album. It would be wonderful. It would be completely ridiculous. It would make no fucking sense. And I would buy 17 copies of it and gift it to all of my friends. Yeah, I I mean, you know, Heaven Metal Christmas albums, of course. We have... You've Rob Havard. Yeah, Rob Havard has technically two. By two. (laughs) (laughs) He's technically got two, which is insane. But um, there's loads, oh god, there's so many random like heavy metal Christmas compilations and stuff. Yes. I think Twisted Sister have a Christmas album as well, which I've never actually listened to. I think they have one. If I'm wrong, please tell me. But I'm, yeah, they've definitely done some sort of Christmas stuff. Yeah, decent, they've definitely done Oh Come All You Faithful to the tune of We're Not Gonna Take It. All yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like lyrically it's still like, I'm only faithful but the tune is different or vice versa lyrically it's like I'm only faithful but the tune is we're not okay. going to take it mm. oh come on you faithful you know that that's sort of vibe ah uh, yes yeah and Dee Snyder is an absolute powerhouse but again I, I can't I can't put in I, I don't want I didn't want to put in any I didn't want to put in covers because that's sort of my thing I'd, I thought there are loads of covers but I thought hmm I'm gonna. I, I've got originals. I've got originals that I could have. Well, that's true. Your scope of um, your depth of knowledge on on original Christmas songs is much deeper than mine. <laughs> so I did have to throw in a, yeah. a little cover. No, I've got no to, problem with you throwing in covers. There's no speak rules. Knowledgeably about absolutely it. <laughs> no rules at all. But what I'm saying is, I'm completely fine. Like there were others that I was looking at, like like mostly. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was very tempted to put in um, We Three Kings by Rob Alford. <laughs> but I thought, no, you can't. I'm not taking out King Diamond's Christmas, like Tom and Jerry drinking fantasy as much as anything else. Like, I've got, I have to bring this up. What, in what universe, is there an episode of Tom and Jerry where they drink sherry? The episode in which the god has a rhyming dictionary there. That's... Like genuinely, I, I, that's I, all that's happening here. Like, I just, I, I, I'd love to interview King Diamond about that one point. That'd be the entire interview. It'd be a ten-second piece. It would just be quite simply, King. How did you come up with the lyric 
Tom and Jerry drinking sherry. Was that in a dream? I genuinely think it's like, what rhymes with Jerry? Berry. Jerry. Derry. Eerie. Ferry. King Tom and Jerry go to Derry. The Arna spin-off. Ferry. Yeah, Tom the spin- and Jerry on a ferry. The spin-off we never knew we wanted. Yes. <laughs> All right. Tom and Jerry meets Jerry girls. Do you know what? That is enough King Diamond ridiculousness. Um, let's move on to your third and final pick. So, do you remember that um, I'm emo trash for life? I do, do remember, remember your emo trash for this? life. Welcome to song number three. You'll shoot your eye out by Fallout Boy. <laughs> you will spell Y U L E, isn't it? Yes, because yes. it's festive, Louis. Please. It's festive. <laughs> please. Otherwise, it wouldn't count. No, it wouldn't count. <laughs> it, would um, it is, but it is a Christmas song. Again, yes. we have some sweet, sweet Christmas motifs. Yep. Um, going on, and it mentions like Christmas and New Year's a lot throughout the it lyrics. Does. Um, and so. I mean, what I like about this, again, it's partly because I'm emo trash and I remember back to being 15, but there's something kind of in this sort of, um, this kind of lyrical genre, because it's not just Fallout Boy, like yeah. a lot of places do this, where kind of the general attitude and tone is one of like, essentially, we had a horrible breakup and now I wish you bad. Yep. Which, <laughs> which is just like a lot of scene music is that kind of vibe yes and while i don't hold those feelings as someone who's barreling towards 30 and i can see that maybe that's not the healthiest Aww, way you're to... only barreling towards 30 yeah oh i'm so youthful and vivacious now in so my 20s vigor in life yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i'm not constantly napping or anything um <laughs> But, so if I think if I heard these songs for the first time now, mm. I'd be like, oh, no, I don't care for this. But because I heard it then, and I was like, this is all my feelings, yeah. um, I can't unknow that, that, that sort of way that it touches you and when, you're, when you're young, and mm. that is the only way to interpret those situations, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, yeah. things are either excellent or, or, or do not come home for Christmas. Yeah. Do not talk to me ever again. You know what I mean? There's And so there's something about that. The song came out in 2009. Mm. So I was 17. Yes, um, I think it was on a compilation as well. Yes. Some sort of and record company compilation. They released it with their greatest hits if I remember later correctly. as well. It could ah, have yes. come out earlier then. It might... So... It might have come out earlier. It was definitely released officially in 2009. Okay. okay. But uh, so I was, I was still in my teens. Yeah. Um, and it does remind me of being a teen again. So it's somewhat nostalgic. Yeah. But... Here's my point about why it's not just like full on member berries because it, it does run a risk of that. Okay. Which is A. I've got, I've got I love Patrick Stump singing. I do, I do really like him as a singer. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact that it's done acoustically, uh-huh. that there's a point to that. Yeah. Um, it, do you know what it really reminds me of? Mm. Good Riddance Time of Your Life by Green Day. In terms of, like, that's not a criticism. That's not even even criticism or praise, by the way. That's basically, like, I really got the feeling that when I, because I have to, I'm not sure. Do you know who, hang on, shall I fact check the writing credits for that song? I assume it's Pete Wentz. It probably is Pete Wentz. Um... I mean... I'm pretty sure the writing credits give you all four band members, to be honest. Yeah. 
Um, okay, but you know my what? assumption is the lyrics are Pete Wentz because yeah. they usually are. Yeah, Pete Wentz usually does write the lyrics for yeah. that boy, um, and then and then the rest of them do the music. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the reason I, I've got I got there was a particular lyric that sort of really, or a particular lyrical thing. You know, he keeps saying he doesn't want to see them under the tree. I, I have to ask, how fucking big is this tree? It's a real big. Or how tree. small is this person? <laughs> Tiny person, a very big tree. Because I don't know if Pete Wentz has seen a Christmas tree before he wrote this, but lying down under the tree. Even the biggest Christmas trees you could buy, to fit a person under it, they'd have to sort of be able to. Essentially, you'd need to find a contortionist who is also very small. I disagree. I'm sorry. What sort of trees are you buying? So, well, okay. First of all, I've never had a real Christmas tree. We've always okay. had a fake Christmas tree. But all you need to do is lie flat enough, the straight flat like you'd lie in a bed on the floor, and the then Christ- you're under the tree. Yeah, but the Christmas tree is so, like gravity-wise is so close to the floor. Like it's it's not necessarily like the, the lowest part of the Christmas tree is usually barely three or four inches from the floor. And I just had I I had to bring it up. I had to. I mean, if I had a tree right now, I could sort of demonstrate this for you. I but, don't know. I feel like I could fit under a tree, a I fake mean, tree, not a real tree. Yeah, uh, a fake tree. You could fit under a fake tree. Yeah. Okay. I think it's high up enough off the ground if I lay flat down. I think certain ones might be, but at the same time, just the image, like, does he think that it'll be lying... It's a metaphor, though. <laughs> I'm fully aware that it is a metaphor, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm a very visual person. That's true. Which is ironic that we're doing a podcast, but I, I do... <laughs> like, if you're going to say, like, I don't want to see under the tree, <laughs> my brain just goes... Like, he's just staring at the tree and just like, she better not fucking be here. She better not fucking be here. If she's be here, I'm going to be really fucking annoyed. I mean, I suspect once again... Christmas will be ruined. I suspect once again that, um, you know, the <laughs> the power of the rhyming dictionary has come back to play again, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, love I love a ridiculous metaphor, but I, I like to... I do like to test the... Valid- I do like to test whether that shit is possible in sure. real life. I have to, because... Just I truly believe I could. It's still very silly. I'm yeah. not going to take that away from you. I think it's very silly that a woman would be under a tree. Yeah, it's like I do think it's possible. And also, would she be wrapped in some sort of box? Not in a box. Maybe, maybe in wrapping paper. Essentially, is this an Eric Andre bit? Is this some sort of like? Ooh. <laughs> because I think that's the only way this would actually work. If it was some sort of Eric Andre surrealist madness or some other, yeah, it's. It's just, I mean, don't get like I feel. Am I getting sidetracked? Yes. Is this important work? <laughs> Very. Yes. It's <laughs> the hard hitting, hard hitting content yes. that people want and expect to hear about Christmas songs. They want to know whether a person can fit under a tree purchased by Fall Out Boy bassist Pete Wentz. That, I mean, it depends on his tree preferences. It's important work. It is the most How important big a space work that I'll ever does he do. Have? <laughs> big old tree if he's big space mm. little tree if he's in a small flat little tree if he's in a small flat that's the name of our side project little tree in a small flat little tree in a small flat it's uh, an acoustic project sounds like Jack's mannequin or some other sort of horrendousness oh that's and I right. only write Christmas songs on an acoustic guitar yep and you do a falsetto King Diamond S um, <laughs> vocal to it Christmas we get the best of both worlds in that sense I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But also, there's, uh, there's a bit of a key change. 
I wrote the hey, I wrote that down. I very said cheeky key change. I don't care for a key change. You often. don't care for a key change. Not, it's not even this. John Bon Jovi is very upset that you I said that. I think they're overused. He's going to come over here and I, he's going to be very upset. I grew up in a time when boy bands really relied on a key change, mm. and I just it just seemed like it was used for the sake of it rather than to achieve a purpose. So when you hear the backstreet boys and it goes, "Tell me why," in the higher key, does it really upset you? I just don't see the point. You don't see the point. It's called drama. It's dramatic. They're just getting up from a chair, Louis. I mean, that's not... No, 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 no. The getting up from the chair thing is not the drama. The drama is all in the voice. The getting up from the chair thing is just... I mean, they come together. I mean, it's just the sort of choreography that I'd come up with. I'm not a choreographer. Like, and like, they're in, inextricably joined in my mind. <laughs> Men rising from a chair and a key change, you know? What kind of social effect did Westlife have on you people? A deep one. Which <laughs> <laughs> is deeply embedded in us, you know, as a but culture. Yeah. But but, but 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 seriously, there is a hell of a key change on this uh, mm. on this number, and it yeah like I re- like I really get the feeling now for those of you who don't know, Pete Wentz writes a lot of stuff about relationships. Yeah, would you say that's yeah, accurate? I would. Do we think that this is about the same person as, or is this a different person to a lot of their other hits? I don't know. Um, I I did see but didn't read. Like there was an interview with him, and from the headline, it was like, "Oh, reflecting back on this song." So I think you could easily find out. Mm. I I didn't because I I also don't think. I suppose thinking about songwriting more broadly, um, I don't think often, certainly for me, that you write you can write a song about a person, but yeah. you're not necessarily enacting like the true events of what happened or even just thinking about that one person yeah. you might just be thinking broadly about like breakups or whatever happened and fictionalizing it so I don't yes. think I just don't tend to think those things are that important okay in the way that like you know people are like oh who's this Taylor Swift song about I don't think it matters mm, fair enough you know what I mean it's a it's it's because a, a song can often be a collective um, you know, bits of experience yeah that was just a train of thought I had because I know yeah. that hmm like I'm like I said, I'm not I'm not I myself I'm not really a big Fallout Boy fan, but what I do know of Fallout Boy is that um, he liked to write about ladies that he'd been with and the yeah. relationship issues. That... Don't we all? Yes, it's true. <laughs> don't we all? You know, it's not. I don't think that's a particularly special thing. No, to it's do. not a particularly special I thing. Think... It's just it, it's it's just it just came to me when I was listening yeah. to that song. They. The, I think the difference with Fallout Boy compared to say like a standard love song is that sometimes the lyrics can be like quite scathing yes very um, which is part of why like that's part of their thing yeah um, and this is no exception yeah you know what I mean so I think in that sense that's why they might kind of get picked out for it but yeah I, I don't think broadly speaking that that's that unusual <laughs> to put on breakups and stuff so I mean probably yeah but um, but yeah but I, I yeah um, just just a cool pop punk uh, making me feel 15 again <laughs> song maybe it is just full member berry yeah. <laughs> remember fallout boy <laughs> I do remember fallout boy I mean they remember themselves I'd like to think anyway so we are going to leave that one there we're going to go to the final pick it's my final pick and it is by British alt rock band Ruben who 
in 2007 released a little song it's a it's essentially a b-side um if you wanted to get this on album you'd have to get it on a b-sides collection and it's called christmas is awesome this is a really short sharp straight to the point two minutes no messing about there's no extended solos there's no sort of um there's no sort of like progressive journey or anything this is just in the parlance of the young persons a banger or a bop for the really young persons as they say as you know yeah so it's just it's just straight ahead joyful as well that's what i also should mention this is what probably out of mind this is just joyful mm. but this is also yes. out of all, this is also very very british the yes. lyrics, <laughs> it is the lyric jamie lemon's lyrics go pretty much like you you're not hearing many americans singing about eating sprouts Got a Doctor Who DVD. Yep, you got. To do, he's a massive Doctor Who fan. Yeah. So yeah, that that tracks. Um, you can tell when this is written because getting a DVD, <laughs> getting a DVD was a thing. Um, yeah. Also, the video is incredibly entertaining. It's very funny. I do like. It's it a lot. very entertaining video. It's just them sort of sitting there with. Well, they're not related, but they're sitting there with some sort of parents, and they're getting little gifts, and they're basically playing the song on these air instruments. It's a delightful time absolutely delightful um it even has kids in it It even has actual children singing on the song and it isn't awful yeah that's true it isn't awful like he gets away with it he gets away with jamie lemon and co they get away with it i just i let anything slide at jamie lemon's because yeah we're both big fans of mr lemon's work in this in in this uh in this property yes (laughs) but yeah like now here's the thing i'm not even that big a fan of the concept of christmas but this song is so infectious I find it Springs you so, <laughs> so charming and joyous. And like, I, I mean, if you can get, <laughs> if you're shouting at people that if you've got like, I mean, God, like I say, I know I mentioned it was incredibly British. We mentioned Sprouts. It mentions comedy socks. It mentions stupid gifts and, uh, you know, carol singing kids. Like, that's a bit more universal, but I really think this is a, disturbingly underrated song and is like the reason I put this in is partly because I would like Christmas time don't let the bells end by the darkness to be fired into the fucking sun (laughs) you want to be replaced by this yes if there was a just if this was a just world if this world was pure and true and just Christmas is awesome would have been as big a hit as that. That would have been a song that would propel Room and from an incredibly beloved cult British band to an actual institution. This would have put them up there. Basically, this would have put them in the Biffy Clyro bracket. Mm. This came out at the same time that Biffy Clyro's Puzzle, which took them from a semi-obscure British cult band to fucking massive, basically, you know. This song, I'm telling you, if this was Biffy Clyro's song, this would be fucking enormous as well. Like it, it, Sorry, I was just imagining Biffy Clyro doing this. I can completely imagine them doing it. I, I feel like it would have a slightly different flavour to it. Yeah, it'd be a bit more Scottish. That literally, what I, I imagine they write yeah. some Scottish. <laughs> just they more, put some Scottish, more Scottish references. Yeah. yeah, they might throw in reference to Hogmanay at the end. But like, oh, it's just, oh, it's just such a joyous, joyous, fun, banging song. It is. I, I love Ruben. They're. You know, I only have listened to them for a couple of years now. Yeah. Like, post them breaking up. Yeah. Um, but I, I love Jamie Lemon. Yeah. Ruben are one of my favourite bands. Um, 
it's a very silly song. Like it's very silly and fun in the best way. Yeah. Like in in a the way a child's joy comes out yeah. at Christmas. Um, but also the outro slaps. Yeah, the outro is incredible. Just absolute. Mwah, chef's kiss. The outro is superb. Oh, it, it, I think this is genuinely. Like, even if you took, even if you just took the song but changed all the lyrics to about something else, I'd still rate it. Yeah. Like the music is just that enjoyable. It's that fucking good. And honestly, if you've never listened to Ruben, I'd say start with this. Genuinely, because it's such an easy song to get into. If you like it, then go further. Um, yeah, this is from... This is a, this, You will find this... If you, yeah, You'll find this on the sort of Odds and Sods B-Sides collection they put out just before they split up. Actually, no, just after they split up, sorry. Called We Should Have Gone to University. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> damn, that's a brutal name, isn't it? Oh boy, but yeah, I oh, Christmas is awesome. Is just I I want to say it's genius, but I worry that's a little bit too hyperbole. <laughs> but fuck it, it's genius. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're gonna leave it there. Very good. We're gonna leave it there. We hope you enjoyed this. Merry Christmas to one and all. Merry um and Merry Christmas to those who celebrate, and even to those who don't. We wish you a happy new year as well. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye for now.